Welcome everybody to Wolf Sheep. I'm Luis Cavedo. And I'm Matthew Walker. And joining us in the room is my wife Gina. Uh, Dang Gina! (laughs) Dang Gina. The (laughs) only reason why she doesn't actually sit in on the conversation is I've got a crappy laptop and it's not able to recognize more than two mics. So yeah, but, but, but in the future, I'd love to have you sit in. If you've got something to add, just run over to the mic and we'll do that. Yeah. Uh, all right, so this week's topic is... Uh, there's there's like four main words that go to it, which is coddling, fencing, uh, sheltering, or... Uh, or um, what's the other one I, I use a lot? Is... Uh, When you keep your, when you're trying to keep your kids protected, no, I said sheltering, but oh, whatever, you know, you get you get the main idea of it. Yeah, it's just well, Pierre, let's talk about the topic inception. Okay. Okay. So I spend well a fairly large amount of time on Facebook, and most of my friends are either Christ followers or Christian or whatever. All right. Some of them are older. Some of them have kids. Yeah. And. Not all of them, but a lot of them, I, I just observe parenting styles and comments and things that they say and how they feel about certain things. And, and I feel certain things about those things. So, And then another reason why I picked the topic was also we, we had a conversation with somebody somewhat recently about a movie and why they wouldn't watch it. Or, well, why, why they wouldn't watch it either, but why they wouldn't let their kids watch it. Ah. Uh. Okay. And, and, you know, I... Free will, free choice, do whatever you want. But it just makes me, it made me think like, well, what's the issue with not having a conversation? You know what I mean? Right. Um, so yeah, that's that's the, that's why we picked the topic this week. Um, hold on a minute. Do, do something funny. Okay. Um, why did the monkey fall out of the tree? Because he was dead. Okay. Why did the second monkey fall out of the tree? Why is that? Because he was dead. Why did the third monkey fall out of the tree? Okay, why? Peer pressure. Uh, it's my favorite joke in the whole world. You gonna save that one for uh, the comedy routine? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Coming to uh, somewhere near you. Coming to an open <laughs> mic near you, Matthew Walker and Louis Cavedo. Yeah, well, I still gotta work on my material. But yeah, me too. All right, so back to topic. Sorry, I had to turn the the fan down. Turn <clears throat> over, picks it up. Right. So yeah, the topic. Let's jump into it. Okay. Question and answer style, same way we yeah. always do. Would you say you had a sheltered slash protected upbringing? Or did you end up discovering a lot of things on your own? Uh, I, it was like 50-50. And the reason I say that is because my brother was more... My brother was the reason I might have been sheltered or sequestered. Mm-hmm. Because he was kind of into everything. And not in a good way. And the... Um, Learning stuff on my own might have been because I kind of withdrew from everybody um, mm-hmm. just for, like, safety's sake because my family was kind of all – my mom was bipolar. My dad was, like, super discipline, super disciplinarian. <laughs> and uh, uh, my brother was kind of, like, dangerous to be around. So, you know, I kind of pulled away from everybody and kind of lived my own life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you- there was there was a lot that I learned on my own. But as far as being sheltered, yeah, I would say my mom tried to keep me indoors, tried to keep me from getting hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and anytime something bad would happen, it would like sort of reinforce her 
her theory that I shouldn't go outside anymore. Something bad happened to you or to your brother? Oh, to me. Like, I remember one time she's like, always wear your shoes. Never walk around without your shoes on. I'm like, ah, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So my brother and I were out lighting fireworks, and I stepped on a piece of glass that was about an inch and a half long and severed the bottom part of my foot open. And, yeah, and my brother carried me home, and my mother was like, I told you to wear shoes! <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. You were right, you were right. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, that's you kind of had no choice but to venture out and learn things on your own. I mean, you were yeah, you you were yeah. protected in a sense, yeah. but like uh I know we talked about this last time as we talked about your dad, our dads, yeah. and um in a sense I kind of kind of told you, well that was interesting cuz in a way your dad didn't it's not that he picked your brother, but he was in charge of your brother and he's like your mom, well I'll take this one and Yep. But was your dad, were, were they both pretty, um, were they both pretty st- strict, stern about, okay, Matthew doesn't do this, Matthew doesn't do that? Oh, yeah, 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 for the most part. I mean, unless I were, they were very, they were very, uh, over, overbearing and kind of like overly cautious with me, mm. you know, because of all the, this is what they said, you know, because my brother got into everything. They kind of didn't want that to happen with me, so mm-hmm. they just prevented anything from happening, really. So, yeah, um, for 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 my upbringing, yeah, uh, I wouldn't say we were sheltered much at all. I mean, we weren't uh, we weren't co- we we really didn't have the opportunity to be coddled. So we yeah. had to grow up pretty quick. Um, me especially, like I'm, you know, I'm just thinking back on, you know, Saturday mornings, waking up and I'm and I'm outside of the house cleaning the stairs with my mom or you know, yeah, helping yeah. to clean up the grass or doing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm not gonna throw them under the no, throw them under the all. bus. But yeah. you know, my my brother and my sister they would sleep in or whatever, but they still had to grow up quickly. Uh, with that said, you know, we were. Um, we learned a lot quickly, you know, we, we, we discovered a lot of stuff on our own, and then oftentimes we would find ourselves in a conversation where my mom would say, oh, you know, do you know about this, do you know about that? Right. And and she would make sure to bring it up, but to a sense it was like, well, you know, they're going to figure it out. Yeah. But like movies, I think back on movies, and, um, you know, my mom's not a bad parent at all, but, you know, I was deeply disturbed when I watched uh, Child's Play for the first time. Oh, okay. And I had a My my Little Buddy doll. I don't know if you knew what those... <laughs> yeah. But I, I can perfectly remember watching the first half of that movie, running to my room and just whacking on the, on the little, My Little Buddy doll and just throwing them out the window, you know. Yeah. And I was probably too young to watch that one, you know. Right. But she was... She wasn't the kind of person that would say, oh, okay, you got to leave the room... You know, there were certain movies like, you know, Natural Born Killers. You're not going to sit down and watch right. that one. But for the most part, yeah, she would let us sit in. And, you know, if we got scared, then she would say, okay, well, you know, step away or don't watch a movie or are you okay or whatever. But, yeah, we weren't we weren't coddled or we weren't um, sheltered at all in that, in that respect. Right. All right. So now that we've had some personal input on our lives... Uh, what you say, for the most part, that the Christian community as a whole 
tries to shelter and or protect their kids and family from the realities of life. Yeah. Beyond just movies and TV yeah, you and all know, that. private schools, mm-hmm. Christian schools, uh, you know, monitoring, overly monitoring the people they hang out with, telling eighteen-year-olds they can't, you know, be a, you know, they they can't be near a boy or like telling girls that, you know, I just, it, it, I think it's there's a point that if you've shepherded them well and if you've mm-hmm. led them well that at some point you have to let them go exercise their skills. At some point you have to let them apply what you've learned. Right. Or they're going to be sucking on the teat at 25 years old, you know. Uh, and so it's like, are we raising adults or are we creating dependents? And I, I see so many people that are, so many parents and so many Christians that are afraid of the world, uh, and they're just controlling. They use control to keep themselves safe rather than keep their kids safe. They mm-hmm. they want they want peace themselves right. rather than to let a child go out, fail maybe, and then pick them up, you know, when they crash the bike or whatever. Those well, are my I, thoughts. And I want to just say quickly cuz I I know I seem to pick on our, you know, our people, Christian people, our Christ people. followers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A lot. And I do and I do it for a specific reason. Which is, you know, I think we don't confront each other about certain things often enough. Right. Or have open discussions about things. We just, we have the set law that we right. make up about things and we just leave it at that. So that's why I, I say that. But I mean, you know, it's not just Christian parents or believing parents that are uh, strict. It's other, you know, it's other parents too. I just wanted to say that just to make sure that I... I it doesn't feel like I'm always picking on yeah. Christ followers. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, to to uh, to a certain degree, I have to think back about home, Puerto Rico. Yeah. And the grand majority of private schools there are either Catholic, Christian, etc. Everything, and there's, you know, there may be some public schools that are that way too. But look at, you know, look at, the groups or that private setting is at right where we send our kids to have a better education to uh you know be monitored a little better to uh excel to not be um exposed to the dangers of oh my kid might get into a fight at a public school and right you know i can understand that that you want to protect your child but i mean there's I could I could tell you about I've been to I don't know maybe thirteen or fourteen different schools growing up. Oh wow! Well. P- both public, private. Oh, I could go into that another time. It wasn't it wasn't for bad reasons, but I got to see a lot of it, right? Right. And different places, different issues, but there's still issues there. Right. It's like you're breeding the environment for different problems. You know, whereas drugs may not be as big on one, they're definitely bigger on the other, and the settings-wise. So yeah, you know, there's there's um, there's a definite sense of I don't know, arc or uh, stereotype about Christians being oh well, you know, not gonna let my daughter go out to the prom. You know. Well, yeah, and 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 it you just sparked a thought that I had. I remember parents 
church parents when when I was the one of the leaders of the youth group, mm-hmm. they would get angry when when kids who weren't saved were coming to youth group or <clears throat> not necessarily not saved, but like kids who needed Jesus more than the kids that were coming to church. Right. Uh, and the parents would get angry that the bad kids were coming to youth group and they didn't want their kids around those kids. And I'm like, okay, y'all need to take a chill pill and y'all need to, you know, right. pull up your big boy pants mm-hmm. and pull up your big girl pants and realize these kids need to be here. Um, and it's not our job as youth leaders to outline the morals that your kids need to live by. It's right. your job to have a conversation with those kids and not try to block them from every aspect of the world, you know, because for instance, I have a friend that he was, his mother was super controlling to the point that one of her sons was dating a girl mm-hmm. and he decided to spend, and he was like over 18, but he's decided to spend the night at the girl's house. Well, was the girl over 18? Yeah. Okay. So they were dating, but he decided to spend the night at her house and her mm-hmm. parents didn't care. The mom went out to the front of their house and honked the horn for something like two to three hours until... Like, somebody came out and told her to stop or called her crazy or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, this is how controlling she was. Like, she was still trying to uh, govern his morality even after 18. And then the my friend said at the age of 21, mm-hmm. we had been so sequestered from anything of the world. At 21, I opened the door and fell into the world, and I haven't been back to church yet. Mm-hmm. Because there was a point where you have to give... You have to give education, you have to give knowledge, but you also have to allow them to experience a little bit and then give them guidance with that. Right, yeah. Otherwise, one day it's just like, oh, it's fun, shiny, tasty, sweet, bye, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I think, I think so many parents think they're doing their kids such a great and, – and, and I can say this because my dad and my mom, they had two different kids. My mm-hmm. brother was the one that they allowed – they they never really tried to govern him. They they just basically always felt like because he was abused when he was he was sexually abused when he was thirteen, and so it was almost like they were apologizing to him day in day out from the for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. So he wrecked something like twelve cars, and they bought him a new car or a different car every time. Mm-hmm. He went to jail for a while, and and right as he got out of jail, they welcomed him back into their home. And and he's in his thirties and forties at this point. Right. Uh, and so rather than to let circumstance or the system or situations teach him a lesson, my father always coddled and fenced him in and blah blah blah. And it you know he's he's in his fifties now, and still is dependent on people, still doesn't have, still doesn't really have an assemblance of a life that most normal people have, responsibility and things right, like right. that, you know. But so. that brings, just as you're talking about it. Did I skip ahead? No, 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 no. Okay. You're, you're doing fine. What I'm thinking of is, because I, I imagine, see, I try to I try to think, well, who's the people that are listening to this? Yeah. What are their pathways of thought? What are they going to think? scripturally or just right logically yeah and i and i can imagine a lot of parents or a lot of people are thinking well what about you know the prodigal son and the father never gave up and he was always there he was always waiting there so for the prodigal son and daughter you never want to give up on him but where where do you say stop right you know because they you, yeah. you have to go out even the prodigal son learned a lesson you know whether 
that was for his own choosing or because his dad let him go. But here's the deal. Yeah. The father waited at home Correct. for the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. The father didn't run out and grab him. You know, the father didn't run out and, and try to, like, block him from taking the drugs or block him from doing this. He allowed the situations and allowed the world to um, teach the kid lessons to the point that when he had learned the lessons, he came back home. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> and who know? and there was a celebration because he came back home, and who knows what it looked like from there on. But with, with my situation and my dad, it's like, my brother was really never allowed to situations never taught him a lesson because my dad always circumvented the consequences. You know, he was always making sure that my brother never fell down or never landed wrong or Mm -hmm. anything like that. Um, and I, I see so many parents continuing to, put the training wheels on a kid's bike so to speak mm-hmm. and the kid's trying to take them off and the parents like no 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 you need these it's like finding nemo it's like marlin right the dad you know the dad that that tried to fence nemo in mm-hmm. some of y'all parents need to watch that movie again <laughs> you got to let these kids experience life yeah you know i'm 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 reminded of a situation okay specifically yeah yeah where uh a mom goes broke a kid goes to jail mm-hmm. for drugs, whatever. Yep. And he goes in. Mom spends all this money to, you know, find a lawyer, help him to get out. Yeah. Gets him out. Happens again. Go through the same process. Third time comes around. And as much as she wants to fight to, to you know, okay, well, mortgage at home or do this or do that because I'm going broke trying to deal with all these lawyers and all these <clears throat> charges eventually you know she just says well I'm not going to leave him in there you know yeah because you know that's sometimes tough love is the only way for somebody to learn a lesson and uh, yeah I, I just I, I, I felt like saying that because it, you know it's it's sometimes necessary right you don't want to see your kids suffer but Right. Well, and, and like when my brother went to jail the first time, the Holy Spirit, like I, I was confronting my parents about a lot of the stuff that happened to me through childhood. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't going in there saying, you guys were horrible and, and, and I'm screwed up because of you. Um, I had had enough time in, you know, in the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit said, I want you to go in and you give your apologies first. Mm-hmm. You ask for forgiveness. You grant them forgiveness. And that'll be the basis for the conversation. Well, we finished that conversation in one day. I thought it was going to be a two-day thing. Mm-hmm. We finished it in, number, in a couple of hours. Well, the next day, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to counsel your parents on their marriage, and I want you to talk to them about um, your brothers being released from prison. And I'm like, who Who do you think I am? <laughs> I'm like, I can't talk what to these. Were you mm-hmm. I was in my 30s. Hmm. Uh, and I was like, I, I can't talk to them about their marriage. Um, but it was... It wasn't me that was giving the the, the things to talk about. Uh, I sat down with them, and the Holy Spirit shared a lot of wisdom with me. And I had had dreams about my brother coming home. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> and I told my parents, I said, you have an empty nest now, finally. Um, you shouldn't allow him to come back. He needs to go to a halfway house or a program mm-hmm. that will acclimate him back into society. He's been in jail for five years. Don't let him just come back in here because a year from now he'll be sitting on the couch without a job. And, and you know, and they listened to everything. They heard everything I had to say. And the day he got released from jail, 
Guess what? Open the door. Here he's back. A year later, he's on the couch. Right. Um, and he's mooching off them. And, you know, uh, so it was like the Holy Spirit was leading me and giving them wisdom, not because I had been there, but because the Holy Spirit was using me as a as a um, an instrument right. to try to to try to get them their lives back. And that I, I think that's the thing. Um, you, you have all these people out. You have all these people that parents that have an identity because of their kids. Not even a, a Christ a Christian identity. They a have purpose. an identity. Well, I, I say identity because they find their identity. Right. You say purpose, and that's fine. But there's two. There's a difference. Purpose is, is something that it's a good purpose. Like you're, you're in my mind, purpose means I'm doing well, something. It's supposed to be a positive thing. But yeah. when you're living for your kids, it becomes their identity. Right. Yeah. So you, Instead of got, you focusing on your spouse or even yourself to a degree, mm-hmm. you're just focusing on kids. You're and that's focusing where, on your yeah. kids, and it's almost like you, you, almost like you feed off of bad things in your kids' lives. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if, if there are people that write blogs and they write it about their kids and raising their kids and they're not a human anymore, they're the identity of helping that kid. Right. They found their identity and in, in their usefulness uh, in what they can do for their children. And God has created us individually, you know, and, and yeah, he calls us to raise our children. But then, you know, there's a point where he calls us to birth them out you know, and, Mm -hmm. and let them go experience life. And, and that's for me, when I got pushed out into the world, you know, I went and did the, I went and did the gay thing for 10 years, because that's how I felt, who I felt I was. Mm -hmm. But the way that I came back to Christ was because of all the foundational stuff that my parents had given me was because of all the hard life lessons I had learned. Um, (coughs) Whether it was, you know, being drunk and passed out and, and doing things in my drunken state, whether it was being raped, uh, which happened to me twice um, from the same guy. And, you know, just getting to a point where I was like, God, I'm going to go do my life no matter what. And God allowed some heavy stuff to come into my life mm-hmm. to the point that when I got to the end of it, it wasn't because my parents had built fences, but it was because my parents had laid a foundation. And there's a difference. Right, yeah. You know. No, that's a good point to bring yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, and and the, I understand the intentions and the love behind wanting your child to succeed and wanting to set them up. But right. you've got to let them make their own choices at some point. Yeah, I, I mean, we don't, we're not telling anybody how to parent or how to feel more specifically. Right. But, you know, again, we're just, we're trying to talk it out. Right. Why well, why your idea or why your method may not be working. Well, and, and there's a difference between, there's a difference between sacrifice for a purpose mm-hmm. and a reason and sacrifice to be a martyr. To be like, oh, I help my kids do this, and I help my, you know, I've been there for everybody, and 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 that's your identity. You're you're the helper because you're telling everybody you're the helper, and you you can often create situations where you're out there making the situation worse so that you feel helpful and useful. Right you know? again, it's a, it's a role you're playing at that point. Yeah, it is. It's it's it's. I think a lot of times it's it's based out of fear. I know my mom felt more useful behind closed doors she felt more useful doing things for people mm-hmm. because she didn't want to get out and experience life because she was afraid mm-hmm. there's a lot of anxiety she was fearful of of 
re branching out into the world, and so she would create usefulness and purpose in her own environment. And so <clears throat> it didn't really didn't really necessarily benefit a lot of people. It may have benefited them for their needs, right. but it didn't benefit them as far as life and as far as morality and as far as learning and growing in Christ. Um, but it made her feel like she had purpose. It made her feel better about herself, mm -hmm. you know. Well, getting back into all that, should parents and caretakers be teaching kids about sex, drugs, and rock and roll more openly? Oh my gosh, yes, because if they don't, the world will teach them. Right. You know, I called my mom the prophylactic elf because one night when I went to bed, about 12, 13, right. a pamphlet was slid under my door about all kinds of prophylactics. I didn't know what the hell these things were. Right. But now I had a pamphlet. That for, for those that don't know what a prophylactic is, by the way, because nobody <laughs> says prophylactic. They don't, yeah. It's a condom. Yeah. Condoms and female condoms and, mm -hmm. and gels and blah, blah, blah to keep you from getting pregnant. Right. But this was midnight, and this pamphlet was slid under my door, and then you heard little footsteps running back down the hall to her room. And so... You know, I visited by the sex fairy. I did. I got visited by the the prophylactic fairy, and so that was my my whole introduction. Mm -hmm. That was not my introduction. My introduction was when my brother introduced me to pornography, mm -hmm. and so with with computers the way they are, with with TV the way that it is, you know, um, I have a friend that calls it the television, and there's a reason for it. Um, mm -hmm. But your if you're not telling your kids the true story about it, the world is going to give them a version of it, and they'll be competing versions if you haven't already laid a foundation for it. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's embarrassing. Yeah, it's you know it, it's not necessarily one of the topics of conversation that you're mm -hmm. like you're like so excited to talk about. But if you don't talk about it, somebody is going to give them a version of it. Or it's inevitable. I mean, oh yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just thinking. Personally. Yeah. I mean, my mom had that talk with me, eventually. And it was far too late. Even Oh, yeah. And it was fairly early on, but it was way too late. Yeah. And it was it was still awkward, because it's like, yeah, uh, duh, yeah, I know that, I know this, <laughs> I know that, you know. I pay attention to during biology, too. Yeah. But um, I, I, can, I can remember possibly the first time I felt attracted to the opposite sex. And and it, it hit, hit. I've talked about this before. The other podcast with Dominic, and yeah. but I, I talked about how it hit me like a ton of bricks because it's like all of a sudden you and it was hypersexualized and it was also unrealistic. Yeah. Uh, great movie and I still love it to this day and and I've grown past any hangups I have about it. But you know, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Out comes walking Jessica Rabbit. Oh. And, and I was thinking Weird Science. Uh, I've seen Weird Science, but I saw that. Yeah. Okay. A couple years later. Yeah. Jessica Rabbit. So you basically got turned on by a cartoon. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This they just explains a whole lot. <laughs> uh, anyway, go ahead. Look, all I'm saying is. No, I get it. You know. Yeah. When you when you feel something, all of a sudden you're realizing it. Even as it, at a young age, you know, I six, seven. I I can't really recall when was the first yeah. time I watched it, but it was fairly young. And and you're realizing that, and it's like, okay, well, this looks appealing, and things are awakened. Things are, you know, you you, you curiosity sets in. Yeah, and you can't help but look for it. Yep. Now, because of the age in which I grew up, and you know, we did have um, 
a lot of like drug enforcement people coming through the school and it's like you know this is things you want to watch out for not do um i understood drugs fairly early you know i understood you didn't do them and i didn't really have um a desire to because you know you got to remember also I, i i spent a lot of time reading comic books and that was a really big medium to kind of push those ideas of you know don't do drugs, kids. Stay in school, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And I idolized a lot of these heroes. You know, Captain America. When Captain America is telling you don't do it, I'm thinking to myself, well, that's definitely something you don't do. Right, because he was addicted to working out. So he had a whole other addiction. That, Which is fine, I guess. Is that what you're saying? Just kidding. Yeah. Sort of. Right. Mm, anyway. Yeah, you, you just derailed everything. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm I just did. saying, you know, yeah. these particular things that are really awkward to talk about. Yep. And remember, alcohol is a drug. That's all I'm saying. Heck, I'm, I was thinking today, it hit me. I mean, I thought of it before, but I, I was at work, and I'm like, man, I could really use some coffee. Because I knew we were doing this today yeah. at, a, at a time that we don't normally meet to, to record. And I'm like, oh, I'm feeling super down. I need some coffee. And I was thinking to myself, I'm addicted. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's not a, well, I, you can ask. People may have different opinions. It's not a bad drug, but... Oh, yeah, I'm addicted. I need my coffee, Phil, to get yeah. through this or to be livened up for it. So, yeah, just remember that alcohol, coffee, there's other drugs. It's not just, you know, marijuana. It's not just cocaine, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, I, I discovered a lot of th- these things on my own, but at least my mom had the initiative to step forward and be very frank and be very clear about talking about it. Right. Well, and... and- what happened at my house is when my brother was discovered with pornography, my dad punished him and then made him apologize to the pastor. So, like, sex was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, and I'm not kidding. Like, sex was a bad thing in our house. Sex was portrayed as a bad thing. And so, right. I, but I don't know. <clears throat> I mean, alcohol was portrayed as a bad thing, too. And, you know, my uncle was gay, and he would always bring beef eater gin to and i just remember the brand name beef mm-hmm. eater gin he would always bring that to my grandmother's house and i was like oh my god this man's a, a horrible person he drinks and he's gay you know but that was that was kind of what was uh, kind of what was poured into me as a little kid and mm-hmm. so when i when the emotions of feeling the desires that i was gay kicked in like i would still there were times that i would drink and didn't feel it, it didn't necessarily um, think it was a good thing, mm-hmm. but it's like in my head I was a good boy and I was expected to be a good boy and I had all these, you know, from being sheltered and from being uh, kind of sequestered away from the world. Right. Rather than, my dad always said this, he said, your brother, we had to beat him within an inch of his life. You know, we spanked him, but we could just use words with you to correct you. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a lot of programming in my brain that... Um, that I had to kind of work through and get over. But like mm-hmm. when it came to sex and sexuality, like it was like a whole other part of my brain. Like I obeyed the rules when it came to drinking. I obeyed the right. rules when it came to being nice to people and, and all that stuff. But when it came to sex and sexuality, it wasn't an area that they really had ever instructed on. They thought it was gross and nasty and disgusting. And and I kind of just lost myself in that world because – I didn't know how to control it. Well, you, you know, yeah, it's 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 like it's it's a it's a juggernaut, right? Because because the way biology works, yeah. Because 
man, unfortunately, man and woman are sexual beings. Yeah. You know, hormones get activated and you can't help feel what you feel. But it just, it, it boggles my mind. Yeah. I understand it's awkward. Trust me. I get it. Yeah. But it boggles my mind that you can't tell even, you know, a, a, a eight or nine year old. You got to go through the, the, the talk. What do they call it? The talk of the birds and the bees. The birds and the bees. Yeah. Right. I, I don't know. Is it just me or is it is it nonsensical to not just be very clear about it? I I think it's nonsense. I I, I agree with you. I think mm-hmm. I, I because here's the deal. Like you'll if you don't talk about it, then you find yourself being reactive rather than proactive. Right. So and and if you're that person that doesn't let your kids watch stuff on TV or turns the TV off when it goes to a sexual, I understand all that. Mm-hmm. But if you're not also guiding and directing in the background you know if you're if you're leaving your kids alone to their own curiosity i'm a kid that was left alone to his own curiosity Mm -hmm. and for years and years and years and years i struggled and and 30 years plus i struggle with pornography Mm -hmm. and I, i feel like if sex had been communicated to me like god communicates it in his word Mm -hmm. if that had been communicated to me in some way like that i think maybe there would have been um a little less finding out on my own you know and a a little less satiating my curiosity day in day out Mm -hmm. if my parents had given some advice about it you know yeah i uh I'm thinking about that now um, because we did watch a number of R-rated movies growing up. Right. And uh, I remember especially early on, you know, the sex scene comes on or the love scene or whatever the hell you want to call it. Yeah. And initially back in the day, especially because it just, I would look around the room because we were watching it as family. Right. I'm like, right. what the hell's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I put my hands up to my eyes and I blocked them and it's like, this ain't right. This is a, this is this is no. <laughs> we don't go through this, you know. <laughs> and one time I remember one. Uh, it may have been my brother's dad, but he just he pulled the hand down and he just said, "This happens," you know. Right. And and I said, "Okay, well, all right." I still felt awkward as hell, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I it it. I'm not gonna say it helped. But it gave me an understanding. Okay, well, people have sex. Right. This happens. It's a normal biological thing. It's not a dirty thing. It's not, you know, it's not something we punish ourselves for feeling, which I think is the root of the problem. Right. That we teach it as a bad thing. We we don't teach it as natural, as something to be shared. Right. And, and you know, to a degree, you know, for us, for us, the Christian community, you know, it's it's something sacred. But I don't know. I I I just have to say we we need to be more open about it because kids are gonna find out about it. Right. Yeah. Agreed. It's impossible not. Do you think uh, personal discovery of you know quote unquote taboo topics uh, is ever helpful to an individual? Mm, expand on that. Okay. Wait. Put it in English. Uh, when you learn something on your own. Yes. Like, well, you were talking about how, you know, your parents didn't teach you these things. Yeah. So eventually you found out about it. Right. 
and you had your own personal uh, uh, experience with it. Yeah. You went through it or you, you learned about it. Yeah. Is that process ever more positive than the alternative, which is that your parents teach you about it? Or, or somebody that I think it depends on the topic. Personal discovery on how to ride a bike, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Personal discovery on sex and sexuality through pornography mm-hmm. or through somebody else, you know, um, I don't, I don't think that's fine. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, it just feel like it depends on the topic. That's my short answer. No, I can, I can agree. I, I tried hard to um, come up with a personal example of it. Yeah. Of having gone through it and, and yeah. something that I discovered on my own and whether it was more positive or negative. I think there's if, – if you discover something on your own and you do it for yourself, it builds your confidence. Like riding a bike right. or learning to cook or, or changing, the, changing your attire. Okay. Yeah, I think those things are personal discovery and, and maybe somebody, somebody gave you a foundation. But, you, you know, going to school, they give you an example and the real-life situation is never the same. Mm-hmm. It may be foundationally the same, but when it comes to sex and sexuality, there are things they do in magazines. There are things they do in, in por- pornography online mm-hmm. or whatever. There are things they do that I don't think our parents. Or I think our parents would blush, even though they've been having sex. Right. You know, and so that kind of personal discovery, you know, and I, I, yeah, I think it depends on the topic, and I think it can be negative sometimes. Um, I might have one positive one. Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, no, I just thought of it because I listened to a, to a number of podcasts, and the, there's one in particular where the both of them, the, the hosts, they actually um, really like people to experience things um, the way they used to be. We're going to say the way they used to be, right? Yeah. Because, you know, the, the way technology moves and how we protect our kids, everybody in general, uh, fights. Like, let's... let's Let's say fights. We'll, we'll say that one specifically. Yeah. I remember getting into a number of fights back in school. Right. And I, there was one thing that I enjoyed about it. Winning. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> winning was always a plus. Okay. After the, and after you curse each other's mom out and, and you know, your, your emotions are running high and you're pissed, I remember always either at the end of the day or by the next day you would run to each other and after you beat the snot out of each other, you would just say, hey, you know, usually it took the initiative of one or the other to say, "Yeah, hey, man, I'm sorry. Oh, you know, really? Can we shake hands and, oh, wow. okay. and, and get this over with? And it's like, yeah, because I don't want to go through the rest of the semester, you know, giving you dirty looks and we'll get into another one of these scuffles. But that's very commendable. I, I don't I, I like to hold grudges. Well, I mean, yeah. the, the fight. I mean, I don't I, like to, but I do. Right. And that's fine. But. You know, the fights that we would get into were usually stupid things. Like, like I remember sharpeners or something? No, no. Like, I remember when, when I went to a new private school. Yeah? I tell Gina and she doesn't believe me, but I used to be really fast. I, used to run be, fast. I can see you fast. Yeah. yeah. You're like a deer. You're built like a deer. Okay. I'm built more like a hippo. Well, I just don't have endurance, but I could run pretty quick. I used to run 100-meter dashes, 300-meter dashes, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I, I ran one day, the third grade, I think. And there was one kid there who was especially fast. He was a little bit taller. Yeah. And he saw me run, and I was, you know, getting pats on my back. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, this guy can run. And he he took, like, you know, caused a chip on his shoulder. Or I don't know what you want to call it. Yeah. And one day he just came up to me and whacked me in the face. And I said, okay, well, here we go. 
It's so we, on. We tussled. We threw each other around. I remember getting, I got slammed to uh, one of those big plastic trash bins. And and I tried to, because I watch wrestling, I tried to, you know, DDT him onto the thing like it's a hardcore <laughs> match or something. But we we finished it and, you know, I, I just, don't go to sleep. Don't go to sleep. I'm going to come get you, you know. And we got carried away by by school security or teachers or whatever. Okay. And after that... <laughs> anyway, go after ahead. After that, well, no, it wasn't a fart, but <laughs> we uh, we were never really good friends, but we respected each other. We we just we would look at each other, you know, not at each other or whatever. Hmm. So I'm I'm in a sense I miss that being exposed to the reality the realities of life, and you know, there's that saying about well, kids are so scared of getting their ass whooped nowadays that. You know, they got. They feel like they got to carry a knife or a gun. So you just can't allow that to happen anymore. And to a degree, I can agree to that. Yeah. That's too bad that the circ- circumstances happen that way. But even like attraction, like I learned that lesson really, really, really differently. This again in the third grade. You know, I, I we talked about Jessica Rabbit and all that, but um, the first time I was attracted to a girl, it's like, well, what do I do with this? So I, I just went up to her and hey, you, you know. All I know is movies, so you want to be my girlfriend? And, and they, and I got laughed, laughed okay. off. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. Well, shoot. Well, there goes that, you know. But yeah. That was a hard lesson to learn, but you learned it. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is okay. Realities of life. This is not the way things work. <laughs> but nowadays, it seems like you don't get that. Kids are talking to each other on, by texting. Meanwhile, they're five feet from each other. Oh, Yeah. You know, the, yeah. the communication isn't the way it used to be. People are so scared of things. Social anxieties are an all-time high, you know. And it's sad to see that. I don't know what level we have to blame parents or coddling or sheltering on that, but it happens, and, it, and it's sad to see. And, and to a degree, it kind of gets transgressed to the older generation, too. Well, I I just like one of the things I one of the things that unnerves me more than anything is a family sitting at a table and the baby will be mindlessly watching a cartoon on the iPad and the other kids are on their phones. You mm-hmm. know, and I've heard parents like it just, you know, I just I don't do it all the time, but it it just keeps him occupied and it saves time and 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 he really likes that and it's just it's like they're going to be in front of a screen their whole life. You know, that's what you're training them to do. Right. And I don't want to turn this into... No, I'm, know, I'm not turning it into anything. I'm just saying, if we're talking about coddling and fencing, there there comes a point where when you hand off when you hand off the governing of your child to technology... To a phone, or, yeah. Yeah, just when you farm it out, because I was farmed out. I was farmed out by my dad... Uh, to my mom mm-hmm. and then there's a point where he wants to come back in and be an authority figure and I'm like no you haven't been here why w- why would you have the right mm-hmm. to come back in oh yeah you're my dad well big big deal mm-hmm. you know you gave up your right when you farmed me out and so what when I say there are areas that I feel I see in restaurants or I see you know, in public where parents are farming their kids out to either a babysitter or technology or whatever. And when you decide to reinsert yourself into your child's life, you may be met with a little resistance because you chose to give up when you were needed. 
Right. Well, and, and <clears> maybe that's... We've talked about authority figures. Gina and I have, and I've yeah. talked to other people about it. I, I respect authority. As yeah. Cops and etc. I don't like being told what to do. I've got a really hard time with that. Oh, unless yes. I give you permission. Yeah. Or, you know, in an unspoken way, say, okay, well, you've got the right to do so. I really don't like being told what to do. Oh, I didn't know that about you. You seem so mild-mannered. Yeah, I mean, I try to keep quiet about it, but, you know, like... Uh, give me an example. All right, well, I mean, I know this isn't going to be popular opinion, but um, like authority figures, I view police officers as an yeah. authority figure. Okay. And not that I've had many run-ins with the law, but, man, you know, whenever whenever they show up and I get pulled over either because, as has happened in the past, it's usually a busted taillight or something, uh, it's an uncomfortable situation for me. Yeah. It's like I realize you're doing your job, but I, I'm not too happy about you doing it. You know, and I think that's true of a lot of people. Yeah. But let's get more specific. Like uh, my, and this one didn't happen to me, so it doesn't really apply. I was with my brother one time at Walmart, and he had he never wears his pants baggy, but in this particular case, they were a little baggier than normal. Mm-hmm. Still within respectable standards, and a lady came up to him and she said, "Pull your pants out, boy." <laughs> a lady, kinda, and she kind of yanked just a regular up. lady, just somebody we didn't know. Oh yeah, well, okay. And, well, he had a hard time. I mean, I, you know, I can. I would too. Why. Like, who are you? Right. But I'm trying to think of something specific for me, like uh. Well, we don't necessarily have to. I just was wondering. No, but it happens. It happens. Like, uh, like, you know, if somebody's directing me. Okay, that happens a lot. In traffic, like at a stop sign. Yeah. And I'm telling people where to go and, you know, okay, go ahead. Because, you know, stop signs, four, four-way stop signs, nobody stops. Nobody stops, yeah. But in the interest of fairness, I just, okay, if you got here first, you go, you go. Okay, yeah. now I'm going. And if the person says, no, no, you go, you know, it's an old man or an old lady yeah, or yeah. whatever. It's like, well, don't tell me what to do. I'm trying to give you a favor, you know? Stuff like that. Oh, okay. It's kind of stupid. I know, but... And, like, for me, I was going to go anyway, so I'm like, all right, if you want to sit here another 30 minutes, I'm fine with that. I'll mm-hmm. go. Um, I, I think for me, like, the... And I don't mean to belabor this topic, but, like, when, when I doubt somebody's motivation, when I think somebody's motivation is to make themselves comfortable right. rather than me, like... Like if I'm twiddling a pin or and somebody reaches over and puts their hand on mine, right. I'll switch hands and do it on this side. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm like, you're just doing that because it's bothering you. It's, mm-hmm. it, I'm not really concerned about your little idiosyncrasies, you know. It's my my. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm twirling the pin. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry that it bothers you, but you maybe you need to take your Zoloft, you know, or something like that. <laughs> um, but that's just the, like somebody coming into your world and touching you or or trying to make you adhere to their to make them comfortable that bothers me mm-hmm. but yeah because that's yeah. like a yeah and those okay. are just personal things yeah yeah so we're, that we so we're both about. messed up well yeah <laughs> no and i like like we said last week about dads you know oh my yeah dad wasn't very present in my life yeah so maybe that's where it comes into you know yeah. the authority figure well for me yeah like when my dad wasn't very present so when he would come in i considered it an intrusion rather than you know him helping and right, guiding what the hell me. are you doing telling me what yeah. to do yeah so yeah. when like just like that when somebody 
You know, Troy had that laugh. Right. So we were at a... <laughs> that that we were, laugh. That, yeah, we were at Wendy's, and the manager came over to us as customers mm-hmm. and told us to quiet down. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 who are you? You, you need to be serving us. You know, the food came out 30 minutes later than it should have. And who are you to tell us... Uh, it just really frustrated me mm-hmm. because it made Troy feel bad, but I wanted to make Troy laugh more so the guy would come out again so I could tell him off. Mm-hmm. But it was just like there, it's like people have Napoleon complexes, you know, and that's probably be- yeah. I, I won't make assumptions, yeah, but live, live yeah. and let die. Live and let die. Well, I was I had another question, but we kind of answered that already. So let's let's close it up. What advice okay. would you give to uh, a parent who holds the leash too tightly, or a pa- or a parent who allows their kids to live too freely, you know, both sides of the spectrum. I, I'd say there's a there's a delicate balance of trusting God's with trusting God with your kids mm-hmm. and knowing if you've if you've done something to injure your child, being apologetic about it, trying to fix it, but also if you've raised your child well, you know, as you if the, you've done like the Bible says that raise your child up in the ways of the Lord, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. Mm-hmm. There's got to be a point where you know, teachers give a lot of information and knowledge, and then they give a test. Mm-hmm. And they don't sit there at the test and sit by the kid and go, oh, that's the wrong answer. Oh, oh, oh. Right. The kid goes through the test on their you own. You just get an X. You get an X, yeah. and, and you learn from your mistakes, and you're, and you're sad that you did bad, mm-hmm. but you try to do better next time, or you give up. I mean, there's, there's both sides of the fence. And so my thoughts are you're not doing your child any good mm-hmm. by being controlling. You're not doing your child any favors by building fences around them. Yeah, your sanity is okay, and yeah, your kids are safe, but there's going to be a point where – and here's here's my thing. What if you're taken out of your child's life tomorrow? Have you prepared them for the future, or have you made them dependent on somebody who is no longer available? Mm-hmm. And so – you know, there has to be a point of trusting in God and trusting in what you've poured into your child and trusting that they're not going to go crazy, you know? No, oh, that's really good. Yeah, that's all I got. No, no, that's that's awesome stuff. Um, I would say for somebody that allows someone to live too freely uh, or, or allow your kids to live too freely uh, is that to a degree, most people or most kids or most individuals like a level of involvement, a boundary. Oh yeah, they do. Because it, you know, to, that's safety. You know, when when you go out to the pool, you you see three feet, four feet, five feet, six feet. Yeah, it's good to have those things just so that a person has the knowledge of hey, the deep end is over there. Yeah, you may want to avoid it uh, until you can, until you're trained to you're to deal with it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. For the opposite side, uh, just this specifically because, you know, it breaks my heart when uh, I see this happen. I've seen it happen a lot recently. And it's that sometimes you have to, uh, it's it's heartbreaking, but you have to give up on a person so that they can learn a lesson. Yeah, I mean, the Bible even says that sometimes they gave people over to Satan to be sifted. <laughs> right, um, yeah. You know, and... And and I think with the whole freely, people who are living too freely, they will find someone who is interested in them. Mm-hmm. They will find someone to approve of them if you don't right. uh, to be involved. I mean, there's you don't there's a, a give and take. Um, you 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 don't um, just completely pull your hands back from a kid because they need involvement. They need to be celebrated. They need to be cheered. They needed boundaries. And if you don't give it to them, they will find someone 
who will care for them and Somebody give will. them. Yeah. This is how cults are born, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, you know. Yeah. I want somebody to tell me what to do, you know. And, yeah. and if you're charismatic enough. Well, and I would say it like this. I want somebody to be interested in me enough mm-hmm. to to shepherd and guide me to a place of greatness. But I don't want somebody to just come in like my bosses at SeaWorld. They just came in and, and they told us what to do because, you know, I had one boss that – I. That she basically hated men, so none of us could have beards. So she kind of just emasculated us right off the bat. But like, her lead, her leadership was more out of insecurity rather than knowledge. And I had leaders that were more out of knowledge. But then I had leaders that just wanted you to follow the rules. But there was this one guy, Kevin, and Kevin led in such a way that allowed you self-expression uh-huh. and allowed you um, boundaries. But he was never an a-hole about it. Okay. Whereas the other people, they kind of just led, they were all little Napoleons. And Kevin was more of that, experience it with you together and create a foundation and create a framework. And right. I love those people, you know. Um, but, yeah. yeah, no, that's, Those are my thoughts. No, that's all good stuff. Uh, the, the only other thing I want to say, and this one's, this one's the one that I think you may disagree with me on. Here we go. Is it... No, no, you probably agree because actually you you. Have I disagree. Well, it's just that some people are never going to learn a lesson. Oh, I agree. Regardless of how many boundaries you put, how much freedom you gave, it's almost hardwired into certain men and women, you know, boys and girls, children, adults, yeah. that they are not able to learn a lesson. Well, you say yes, they say no. You say it's red, they say it's blue. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, there there are people like that out there. I have. Tried to mentor them. If two and three times of you yeah. trying to help them through a situation don't work. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you don't want to give up on a person. If they ever come back to you, then sure, offer them the help. But sometimes you just got to let people go because there's no way to save them. There's just no way. And it's an it's it's awful to watch somebody go into a self-destructive lifestyle or self-destructive choices or to just make it their default. But right, if that's and blame the world for what's going on. No, sometimes I don't even blame the world, but they just... Well, I'd, I'd They don't say realize a... the destruction they're causing in other people's lives. Well, yeah, because it's not their fault. You know, it's it. they put they place the blame on others, and I feel like that's how they can continue in the cycle mm-hmm. because they always blame shift. So the moment that you begin to focus that attention back on yourself, you're the only one you can change. Mm-hmm. But there has to be a point where we teach people to be... We teach people to have an identity in Christ and to be. I don't like the. I don't like to use the word survivor. It's the way the world uses it. Mm-hmm. But we're either generating victims or survivors, or martyrs. And the way that we treat people and the way that we lead and guide them, you know. I I, I say this. Do you want to be parenting this kid twenty years from now? Most people would say no. Mm-hmm. We'll start now. <laughs> start right. now laying a foundation that you won't be mentoring them in tw- in twenty years. Unless that's your identity, unless that's makes you feel like you have value, and and if it does, we got a whole other problem. Right, that's another another topic. On to the next blog, yeah. <laughs> people you've screwed up, and the we will, and the people that love them. <laughs> Sorry, that's okay. Uh, well, as always, we hope we made you think. 
Uh, or angry. Maybe a little angry on this one. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I don't expect everybody to be happy with this one. Like I said, we, we, we might step on some toes. But, oh, yeah, I think I we, slammed a foot in the door. Yeah, we love yeah. you. We just want to let you know we love you. Yeah. Uh, if you want to reach us, you can reach uh, me at uh, 4CS Lewis. Uh, what am I doing? Is it the number four? or Right, the number four, C.S. Lewis at gmail.com. Okay. Uh, I drew a blank. I need some more coffee. And then, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, Facebook.com slash uh, Wolf Sheep. Yes. Pod. Wolf Sheep Pod. Yeah. Matthew, where can they reach you? Uh, they can reach me at bigfishministry at gmail.com or read my blog at mattiewalk.com, M A T T I E walk.com. All right, well, we'll be, uh, we'll be back with another topic next time. But from Luis Cavedo and Matthew Walker, this is Wolf Sheep.